Welcome back, Galactic Groovers. I'm not even going to try to be super professional right now because it would be disingenuous. I know I haven't put out an episode in a while. Uh, I think most of you who listen to me probably know why by now, but just a brief overview. Um, my mom was hospitalized on the 22nd of February. Uh, she was very confused. The only thing they could find besides some swelling, um, that was, you know, a physical issue were, uh, bad electrolytes, um, very low potassium and basically, um, just a lot of signs of failure to thrive. But when she first got there, she was hallucinating. So, I mean, it was like my son, the youngest son and I would be in the room and she would say stuff and then the nurse would get in the way and we would look at each other real fast because we were like, you heard that, right? <laughs> you heard what, what our poor mother, grandmother just said. Um, and it, it was a ratcheting up from her baseline level of confusion with dementia. That was really scary. So after about probably the first, I don't know, five days in the hospital, like they got her all situated and then a few other things popped up that they took care of. And, you know, basically it was all well, she's medically fit to discharge, but we know she can't just go home like this to her apartment. And I had not made it to the place yet for a bunch of reasons, uh, which maybe I'll go into detail in a future episode. But uh, I hadn't gotten to the place yet where I saw a way for her to come live with me. Part of it was just the structure of my house. Part of it was how confused she was seeming that I felt inadequate to keep her safe. Um, and then part of it was years of abuse, resentment, and neglect, which a lot of that I had worked through but um, part of what happened when she started to decline, and I can see this now in hindsight, but you can't always tell because my mom has this very specific cognitive set of strengths and deficits that allow her to, when she isn't hallucinating, <laughs> it's not funny, but some of the stuff she said, you guys, I, I'm getting stuck behind the clock on the wall. I mean, it was wild. But um, she, when she started to decline in the fall, um, it was kind of like she knew it was happening. And she was, you know, she was scared. She didn't want to lose her independence. And so that made her act out in ways that were similar to um, some of the more abusive manifestations of her mental illness um, throughout my adult life that I just can't be around. Um, 
and like it, 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 none of it made sense to me, but I was like, all right, well, she has all of these home care services and she has a doctor and she has, so if I back off for a while, like she's asking me to, and don't go with her to the doctor, surely someone will call me if there's a problem. And, uh, thankfully her med nurse recognized that she was talking to two other people and that what was coming out of her mouth was word salad and made no sense. Uh, so she begged my mom to go to the hospital. And it was a good thing she did. Um, there were other things going on because I hadn't been going to the doctor with her. She was prescribed medication that she never should have had access to. Just free reign. Because the whole point of having a med nurse was that the meds were locked up for her safety. And she was given this medication as needed, which meant it was not locked up. So anyway, that caused a lot of the problems that landed her in the hospital. But it's like once you're past a certain point with this, they can't live by themselves anymore. And... She's had this dementia diagnosis for three years now. So, uh, I really think that all of that was just, she was trying so hard to hold on to her life, which I get. So, we, after two weeks in the hospital, we got her transferred to a rehab facility. And I've been to a lot of nursing homes and assisted livings to sing in the past and so I've been to a lot of places in town and this one is particularly magical as far as like all the residents seem as happy as they can be in the circumstances that they're in like there's just a lot of joy there you know and initially uh I was thinking well you know may maybe this is what we need to do and Maybe this is what she needs to be safe. So, but, but it was all still with the intention at this point that she would return home. Um, so after a few days in there and I was able to see better how she was going to do in the environment, how she would thrive or not, um, I think she was only in there four days. And like, I, I got to a point where I just realized that she's not going to thrive and she's not going to live very long. If she had, has all of this noise and, um, isn't with her dog, isn't with her family, except when I drive out there once a day, isn't, um, you know, isn't able to live in a home and have more freedom, more personal freedom, simply because, you know, she's in this, uh, somewhat restricted environment. And, um, also because of things like, you know, she just, she hates the food. And to be honest, I've been in that kitchen and walked past it a bunch of times now and it all smells really good. But my mother will be the first to tell you even in her dementia, that she is probably the pickiest eater on the planet. And, um, I, and now that my son is autistic, uh, we have the diagnosis, I mean, and he has certain 
certain food things. It's part of um, a lot of experiences of autism. Uh, I suspect she might also be on that spectrum somewhere and just never got diagnosed or help for it or anything. And of course now it doesn't matter, but um, I do think that that's part of the reason she's such a picky eater. So if she's not thriving with food or activity or the environment, then it's not worth it. And she's only 68. And so Monday, today's Friday. So Monday afternoon, I began a series of like 24 hours of rolling panic attacks of trying to decide if I could have her move in with me, have everyone be happy, be sane, um, be safe, thriving. And, uh, and I also didn't want to see, like, if she was happy there, I would have been okay with the eventual loss of all of her assets of any that she might have gotten at some point. She doesn't have any now, but she may in the future. And uh, that all would have been taken from her. And it's not worth it if it's not a place that she's going to thrive. And so I could just see the handwriting on the wall and knew that my mom wasn't going to be around very long. No matter where she stayed, if it wasn't home and she wasn't able to have the things that help her thrive. Uh, this, this memory difficulty that she suddenly had, this confusion was so profound. It was things like not remembering she had a cell phone, um, you know, just pretty basic stuff. However, um, over the time that she's been there, she has also been gaining a lot and I can see her baseline self returning. Um, and she is with it enough to recognize that it got so hard to manage life on her own that she just kind of imploded. And so she wasn't eating enough, drinking enough, all of those things. And she knows that she can't manage all of the demands of living independently and have her brain function and be able to take care of herself. Um, you know, and partly part of that, sadly, is because the system is broken, you guys. There aren't enough people to take care of all these elderly folks. And it's only going to get worse because boomers. But I don't want to go off on a tangent like that. I'm not blaming boomers. Just there's a lot of them. And they are all starting to get early dementia, early Alzheimer's. So there is a wave of Gen Xers and Millennials and probably some Gen Z folks that are going to be having to deal with this uh, elder care crisis in the next five years. Um, you know, I do it here for you first, folks, and then, then report about it. Um, but what the reason I wanted to record is because, you know, I didn't have money sitting around to deal with all this. And my mom surely didn't. Um, and I, I have been fundraising for others most of my adult life, uh, not to make myself look good, not to brag about it, but because I just genuinely always had that in me. Um, it started with the 1988 big ass earthquake, uh, how I processed 
uh, scary things, sad things, all of that, was to see a need and fill it. Um, so it started back then with collecting supplies for people who had just, their homes had basically fallen apart. Um, so they were displaced. And then that kind of continued through my life. But I have never, um, gratefully, I mean, I don't know how I've done it, to be honest, but I've never been in a position where I needed money really fast. And like in this case, it's for moving expenses. Um, and had to ask for that. Um, but one of my wonderful friends who, who will be on this podcast, she was on Meow Podcast with me recently, uh, Leslie Baker. She, she really talked to me and said, you know, girl, you have to let other people help you. And I know that you're worried because so many of us are struggling right now. And you don't want to ask, but, um, you know, just do it anyway, because everybody wants to help you. We love you. And, um, <clears throat> we need to normalize asking for help. And that is part of playing this abundance game of life. It's part of hacking abundance. It's part of, um, changing our relationship in our society to money and to everyone's needs being met. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm so froggy from all the dust from the moving and cleaning and stuff. Oh, so by the way, after all the panic attacks, <laughs> I decided that I could see a way for mom to move in here. And so that's what we're doing because the rehab facility is going to be ready any day now to want to move her to assisted living and neither she nor I want that. Uh, so that meant a sudden flurry of me trying to get the room upstairs ready where my office was. It'll now be downstairs. Thankfully I have a spare room. Uh, so trying to get everything ready for her to come in and then I have to move her out of her two bedroom apartment, figure out what to do with all that stuff. And I don't have a truck or people to help me and I'm basically doing it all by myself with my 18 year old son who is, you know, on the petite side. He's of smaller stature and not super strong. Um, so, you know, you can see all the pitfalls there along with my physical limitations. Uh, so yesterday I put up a GoFundMe for moving expenses because I found a moving company that will work with me on the, uh, three hour minimum and split it up into days and they can also help with, uh, the packing and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> so I put up a GoFundMe and the, it's in the notes of this episode uh, if you do want to contribute, but, um, and please don't, if you don't have it truly, like do not, if you don't have it. Um, but I, you know, I, I wasn't expecting a lot just because I know 
I know how strapped everyone is. I'm, I have eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know uh, what's going on for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I'm clinging to the ledge with my fingers right now like everybody else. Uh, and so I, I didn't, I was, I didn't have expectations, right? So I get up this morning fairly early. It's like only 5.55 a.m. right now. Um, I hear you, universe. You indeed do have my back. Um, and, uh, I'm more than a third of the way to the fundraising goal because that many people already donated to help. <clears throat> and so I'm, I wanted to share with you what that feels like. I wanted to share with you how humbling and moving it is to have a lifetime of effort returned in that way uh, and what a, what an amazing gift so many people have just given me because it's giving me peace of mind it's giving me the physical help that I need to do this so that I can bring my mom home as soon as possible uh, and so when I went to see her yesterday after I'd done this GoFundMe, she's starting to remember more and get back to her, her baseline self before this hospital stay and this ramp up of confusion. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of how dementia goes. It goes up and down. Uh, stressors and whatnot can make them decline a bit. And then when those are relieved or their physical health improves, um, and their brain has food, you know, uh, food and rest, they improve again. And so that's kind of the dance that happens with it. But this is why she can't just go home because you can't know when that's going to happen. Um, and it'll happen less if she's in a supportive environment where I know she's getting her medicine, she's getting, she's eating, she's bathing. Um, so I'm really excited now and looking forward to her living with me and the growth of humbly accepting gifts. And the growth that it took for me to get from, I will never live with my mother. This was back before she had dementia, because I think I've mentioned this before, but ironically, it's like the dementia made her forget how to be dysfunctional <laughs> for the most part. And she's been just delightful to the point where like all the nurses on the eighth floor where she was at the hospital were like, sad to see her go they practically gave her a parade and then um 
you know, the rehab facility. They love her. Her roommate loves her. And so um, she really is the sweet mom that was there some of the time throughout my life. More on that in another episode. Because, of course, there's some metaphysical stuff there. Uh, but I'm really excited. And I just wanted to share my gratitude, share this experience, share that growth with you all. Um, share my thanks for everyone who's helping me. Um, and share my excitement because my life's about to change a lot, but also in a beautiful way that I need it. And I'm going to get to have as much time with my mom as possible before, you know, she gets to where she may not remember my name or whatnot, but the, the ladies at the facility were, uh, coaching me and having a care plan meeting yesterday and she said you know even when she does if she does forget your name because they don't always um she'll remember you as a feeling because you're going to spend this much time with her um and so it's kind of like uh, I finally get all the attention I always wanted from my mother, just on the back end. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and uh, she's going to be here. So, um, and am my office, that's the other funny thing. So initially, the panic attacks were just like perfectly normal. Like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> this is going to be a disaster. I don't want to move my office. I like my office where it is, you know, especially like all the tourist things. Plus, I have put a lot of work into getting that room even usable. Um, when I was on the chemo for that six years, many years ago, uh, my wonderful um, ex person decided that now that room was a great place to just shove all the shit, you know? And so then when I got better and he moved out, it, it looked like a hoarder's den. I mean, it was awful not to disparage hoarders because my mother has a history of that, which she recovered from, which tells you how strong she is because that shit is hard to overcome. But, um, it took so much effort to get that room to be my office, you know, and get it excavated. Uh, so anyway, uh, now then this is, this is the, another lesson in all this is that initially our mind thinks of every reason why we shouldn't do something. But if you push through that for a while, and I mean, I'm not talking about things that are obviously toxic or harmful, just decisions where you are like 50, 50, right? And you can't, you're having trouble making a decision if this is the right move or not. Um, once you push, push through all of those reasons why you shouldn't do it, then the reasons why, you know, this may actually be better. Uh, so I'm 
looking forward to being in my new office downstairs and when I do video, which I'm adding video to the podcast soon. Lucky you. Uh, so it'll be on YouTube as well as here. I, I realized about a month ago I could have been putting audio up the whole time on YouTube with just a, a screen overlay, you know. Um, but at any rate, I, I am going to be doing video and the new office is my son's old room. And while the color scheme was chosen by a 10 year old boy, <laughs> he, he had pretty good taste and it's kind of like, even though they're dark colors, it's like a soothing space. So anyway, I'm super excited about it now. And, uh, I'm just slowly with a dust mask on working on getting the stuff out of the room upstairs so that we can do phase one of project moving which is getting her bed over here and just the basic things we need to bring her home from the rehab facility and then I can deal with the rest of her apartment and the money that everybody is donating is going to help me do that um so I am grateful to everyone who has donated, who will donate. Um, if you do want to help, it's in the notes. But most of all, I just wanted to share this brief experience, this lesson that I'm learning right now and this growth that I'm having. And I'm really excited. So, I mean, you know, chances are mom is going to be a lot more present <laughs> in my life experience and my stories. I had to stop for a second to deal with the crying results and blow my nose. <sighs> so, um, I will be back to regular podcasting soon. I knew when she was in the hospital and I saw the handwriting on the wall and what I was probably going to have to deal with, with her apartment and all that. I was like, yeah, I cannot work and do this at the same time. So that's the other thing is that I haven't really been working through March except for recording me out podcast. And um, thank you to my patrons who have stuck in there with me and haven't uh, left because I had to take some time off to take care of my mom and get things situated. But I'm really excited to get back to work in April. And uh, all of this just is so heartening. I, it's difficult to express how much gratitude I have. And how grateful I am for all of the love and support and growth from this experience. So I hope that you all recognize that you are amazing people. And I hope that if you are going through something really hard right now, that you hear this story and first of all, you know you're loved and supported even if you don't know it. I love and support you and also know that it's okay to ask for help 
It's really okay to ask for fucking help. One of the, here she goes on a rant again, but one of the biggest sins and damages that capitalism, which in my opinion is just modern feudalism, has caused is that, at least in feudalism, we had fucking community. We, we, people didn't even really have to ask for help. It was like, oh, your mom's in the hospital? Okay, she has to come live with you? Well, I guess 12 of us are going to show up and move you. You know what I mean? And I'm not complaining like that people don't do that because we are in a situation where people can't do that. Their bodies are either broken from working for the man, quote unquote, uh, for their whole life. So they can't lift things or they don't have trucks or, you know, we've been, we've been encouraged. And it was interesting because I, I can't remember, might have been Leslie, but somebody was talking about how the nuclear family, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Leslie on Meow, but the nuclear family, uh, situation that keeps us all isolated from each other and you're not connected to your extended family and all of that um like it really put us all in these isolated little bubbles where we have no freaking help to deal with the hard life stuff uh and we've lost the community and awareness of community that we used to have for the sake of productivity and profit so when you need help, when you are struggling, that's an opportunity to do uh, something very rebellious, which is to ask for help, um, advocate for yourself, and allow others to be helpful. Because it feels good, if you have it, to give even $5 to someone knowing that you've helped them with a situation they're in. That maybe that's the only thing you can do. You know, you, you're you not able to show up with four trucks and eight guys to move someone's stuff. But you could donate $5 along with a bunch of other people. And then we can pay a nice family moving company that I found. It's a husband and wife team uh, with their little kids in the background asking for juice. Um, so... You can pay someone who's a professional to come do that job. So I really feel like this is how we change things. And, and it's not even so much changing them as it is putting them back the way they used to be. So I love you all very much. Thank you for your help. And if you are going through any tough circumstances yourself, all of my love to you and my encouragement that it is okay to ask for help. And if you're not sure how to do that, feel free to DM me and I can give you a few ideas. But really, honestly, just doing a GoFundMe, putting it up there is helpful. And then if you have a good friend <clears throat> or someone who's part of a community that you're in, um, ask them if they don't already offer to share it and put it up for you because it helps to have somebody else do it for you as well. Oh, so I will be back in a few weeks. I have so much to do. I'm taking lots of pictures. So when I'm all done with this, 
I will make a montage of how much <laughs> freaking work I've done. Because that's the thing, like, even with the moving company, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff to do. Uh, and, you know, if I had the physicality to do this much physical work, <laughs> then I would have a job, like a regular, you know, work-a-day job, which I'm glad I don't because otherwise I never would have found podcasting and I, I wouldn't have my intuitive practice and all of that, but... At the same time, this is going to be physically hard. It just is. So um, everyone's kindness and donations and love and support is what has kept me going and what will keep me going. And so please let other people help you if you're having a hard time. So much love and I'll be back very soon.